Welcome to your transformation station. station. Socrates once wrote, The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to rediscover your true identity and purpose on this planet. Together, we can transform our community one topic at a time. From groundbreaking performers, making their elixir your dose of reality, your transformation arc. This is your transformation station, and this is your host, Greg Favaza. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, your one and only Greg Favaza. Welcome back to your transformation station. Your station that's always going to be here for you, just as I am. Welcome back to the show. For those that are new to the show, hit the subscribe at the bottom of your page or at the top of your page, wherever you see that button that says subscribe, hit it. It's frisky, it's wonderful, it's your transformation station. Subscribe. Those that have subscribed, thank you for being a frequent participant. I appreciate you guys. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, YTS the Podcast. We also have Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Tumblr, and YouTube. We have all of it all utilizing the same username. YTS the podcast, which I have also linked into the show notes. And if you would like to be on the show, like to leave a voicemail, I have linked that up in the show notes. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, bitches, gripes, or complaints, email me at your transformation station correction. Your transformation podcast at gmail.com. God, the military is still in me. That's what it would be like. It'd be like, uh, correction, sir. You need this and this. Yes. Roger. Acknowledge. The hair. Okay. In this episode, this is where Larry and I go into his news junkie bullshit as we look into politics on the type of individuals that represent our society and we decipher their value proposition relating it to average encounters that we would go into is like a car salesman Ugh. Hate fucking car salesmen. Just everything about them screams manipulation. Thinking about a car salesman right now makes me want to go deck one. Focus, Greg. Focus. So with this episode, Larry and I, we look into our value propositions. We uh, we carry, we, we look into stuff, okay? That being said, what is your definition of success? This this little thought has been boiling inside my mind. I can't hold it back any longer. It is truly something we all need to consider. And an excellent author 
that I thoroughly enjoy reading, His Seven Habits. Stephen Covey, he has a quote that I just have to share. If you carefully consider what you want to be said of you in the funeral experience, you will find the definition of success. And what he means by that, with the funeral experience, you try to imagine yourself being dead, passed on, and seeing all your family members, siblings, cousins, everybody there at your funeral. How would it partake? How would it play out? What would your utility what would your eulogy be said, spoken, something like that? That is your definition of success, the impact you want to leave on the world. That is also my definition of success, my impact that I make not just on the world, but on one individual. If I can help one individual with this podcast, feel like a million bucks all right let's get into the episode we're tapping in to surpassing expectations from the most successful people in the modern day and honing in on new foresight methodologies and clairvoyance you never knew this is your transformation station with your host greg favaza Um, you just never know how the day is going to turn out. Exactly. And that's yeah. why it's kind of important to make sure you get that foundation because I feel like once I have that in the morning, I can just face anything. Exactly. Exactly. And without it, the day, even if the day goes really well, it still seems a little out of order because of that morning ritual, that morning habit, whatever we do, it's it's important. It is. And I'm trying to get the, um, the lady that I just started seeing to get on one of those. I think her life will be a lot less hectic. Absolutely. That's very true. I understand and relate to that perfectly. <laughs> uh, yes. What else has been going on this last week or so? <laughs> Other than that, I kind of just, um, I had a lot of interviews, actually. I interviewed um, somebody in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, I had one in Canada. However, she had to cancel and re, um, re, uh, oh my God, I'm having a lot of these tongue twisters or these blank moments, reschedule. And, I know. And, yeah. And, uh. So then there's that. Then I have another one today, which, of course, with this guy, uh, Jimmy Rex, huge entrepreneur guy, he also rescheduled on me. And Where's he out of? Uh, he is out of, I want to say, Los Angeles. Huge uh, author slash entrepreneur. Yeah. And I just kind of reached out to him, just winged it, and he's, he was like, sure, we can do that. So awesome. Rescheduled. Have you ever... Have, have you ever uh... Followed any of Pat Flynn's stuff? Pat Flynn? Flynn? Yeah, Pat. 
Lynn? Yes, yes. Uh, smart passive income. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, interesting guys. Got a lot of uh, a lot of really good tips, hints uh, mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs as well as people in general. Yeah, I I followed him for quite a while. When I don't like about his information, it's it's so damn good <laughs> that it, it keeps you wanting more, and then that's where the free <laughs> stuff is over with, and you got to start forking money out. Exactly, exactly. He, he delivers a lot of real value packed um, free stuff, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, you know, it's like the heroin dealer on the corner. He gives you that first fix free because he knows you'll be back. And then, yeah, you know, he's got you. Yeah, that's exactly right. In a positive way, not, you know. But uh, a lot of the really good um, people that deliver information mm-hmm. operate on, the, on, you know, on that same, that same model because, one, it works. Two, it's it's a great marketing tool, not only for them, but you can transfer that virtually to any type of business or service, provide value at no cost. And then people will naturally come to you because they look at you as a resource. Um, Once you're a resource and that person feels, Hey, that guy understands me and I feel comfortable with him," You probably have a client or customer for life. Unless you screw it up like the AT&Ts and Spectrums and the large communication companies of the world, the large insurance companies of the world, I think they play lib- take liberties with their long-term existing customers. And that's my opine for today, one of them. Now, that's, that's interesting. I don't understand it though as far as like the marketing and how to reel people in because i feel like it's almost manipulative in a way but and it's it's something i need to adjust because i put a fine line between my character as far as doing the right things it's like i took it to heart as far as following orders in a way and now i'm starting to see the gray areas where it's acceptable and where it's not acceptable. What do you think, uh, what do you think the difference is between manipulation and motivation? Motivation will be to inspire and motivate somebody because you know, it's for their own good. They're just, they don't see it because it's, it's bigger than them. And you can see it because you have more experience or more knowledge and manipulate. Well, I mean, that's, I think, a monster in itself, but that's just to take advantage of them for your own benefit. Interesting. Um, and, and I think whenever I hear the word manipulate, I think of some sort of negative connotation. But sometimes when you really look at um, the difference between motivate and manipulate it's a fine line it's a fine line some of the motivational techniques aren't far off of manipulative um, uh, ways we we try to persuade people um i think but you hit it 
the most important part, I think you hit on the head in that motivation is for the benefit of the other person, whereas, you know, for, for the best of the other person. Uh, whereas manipulation may or may not take into consideration that other person or the other party or the other entity <clears throat> more selfish. You know, I want to get this person to do that for me because of my interests. Wait, are you saying, wait, what if it's the exact same thing, but it's just a perspective and how you look at it? Kind of what we talked about last time. Yes. Um, it, it just depends. Um, people, people tend to feel that, and this is a generalization, but I believe uh, people tend to feel old school salespeople picture the used car salesman with the big plaid sport coat and a white patent leather belt and shoes to match with a big cigar in his mouth and a gold chain around his neck and back slapping and hey you know come on hey, you know mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay people tend to uh, when you get that negative connotation of a salesperson you might think manipulation versus a really professional salesperson that kind of asks a lot of questions does a whole bunch more asking than telling. And then once he really finds out what your, your pain is, where your needs are, if he's got the product or service to solve them, he'll propose those to you. And if everything went really well, you as the, the customer, the potential client, will ask him, oh, that's really cool. What's the next step? How do I get that? What do I do now versus the old school manipulation techniques where, you know, these people were trained and here's the five best closes, you know, and they spend a little time getting to know the person, but spend an immense amount of time trying to close the person versus my little triangle works like that. But down here at the base, the great big broad base. Mm -hmm. is you ask a bunch of questions, you get to know that other person. What do they need and how How what I offer fits into what motivates them, what helps them attain their goal. And then, you know, that pyramid gets really small. So when you get to the top, instead of worrying about closing, you as the offerer of services don't have to close because the person says, yeah, what do we do now? Yeah, I want, I want, I want that. That's what I want. How cool is that? But then if we look into the type of mindset that a car salesman would have, a lot of them are working off commission. So I think that's their ideal goal is to close the deal. I mean, I can see that, well, I just, I can't really see them wanting to help anybody but themselves. But that's, that's coming from me because I grew up with a father who was a car salesman for over 20 years. So... <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and what I'm saying is even when, and I use a car salesman because very, almost everybody can relate to that picture. Um, an old, old funny movie is used cars. And, it, you know, it's all built around this, this uh, generalization, you know, the guy I described. Because so many people can relate to them, whether it's on the car lot or whether it's a door-to-door, -door, high pressure, one call salesperson so on and so forth. But um, professional salespeople are in every industry, everything from 
and this may shock some people, doctors, lawyers, accountants, engineers, all these people have to sell to get business. They yes. ultimately are marketing and then when you meet them because of effective marketing, whatever that marketing may be, even if it's only the best marketing, which is word of mouth. Yeah, well, Susie said you designed their addition on their house and I really wanted to meet you. Okay, that's that marketing that positioned the architect to get this potential client in front of them. Mm -hmm. And then he asked them a bunch of questions. He got to know them or she got to know them and then built his or her presentation around their needs so it's still you know if somebody tells you they don't sell they're lying everybody is selling every day the guy at the bar with the clever pickup line to the attractive gal is selling her on come home with me tonight the doctor that says, hey, the only way we can fix your back is, you know, I got to fuse these two lower discs. Really? Because a chiropractor would say there's no surgery necessary. And he would sell you on coming into adjustments three times a week. And then the, you know, natural healer would tell you, you know, you need to come to my yoga studio. And then I got these special herbs and teas. Everybody's, and I'm not saying anybody is in it for themselves. But the surgeon has no other way to heal somebody than to slice them open and do whatever he's going to do. And in order for him to stay in business, as much as we might want to think that he's not in it for the money, um, if you look at his house and his country club dues and his Mercedes, you know, and his $500 shoes, yeah, he, money is part of the motivation for him. There's more, hopefully, esoteric things up there. But I really believe, you know, selling is just communicating and, and motivating. And some of the higher pressure salespeople may manipulate, if in fact you want to look at manipulation in, in a negative connotation. Uh, so it's just, it's interesting. Well, I would love to see those three in a room. I think that'll be interesting. The, a healer, a doctor, and or a surgeon, and a chiropractor. I think that'll be a really funny conversation to listen to. But with also the surgeon, as far as wearing the $500 shoes, that could be his own definition of success as far as his work ethic. And then if we backtrack on everybody that's selling themselves, I think we're talking about their value proposition as far as we may work for a company that may be our profession but ideally we tailored our being around this type of delivery where accountability is number one so when we were to look at a playbook and we go down the stats and see uh, we know greg favaza is sometimes late to his interviews he's usually five minutes short but however he is a nerd he he is consistently refining we can count on him for that so i think that and you know what i found life happens so it's okay to be late every now and then you know yes uh life happens so <laughs> you can't ever be too hard on yourself oh yeah that's very 
hard to even think, fathom right now. <laughs> what, what is it about why we as people uh, are our most severe critics? Because we overestimate what reality really is. We catastrophize in our head the worst possible outcome. And none of that happens in reality. That's so true. Yeah. And then what we perceive, our, our reality is our perceived reality. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. I think everyone's reality is their perception of this moment, of this situation. Um, and many times their preconceived perception or notion is what causes procrastination or causes whatever is causing them to face whatever the situation is. Um, well, knowing you're not a news junkie, there was an interesting piece of news yesterday. That Go on. The uh, almost for sure Democrat nominee for president of the United States, Joe Biden, announced his vice presidential running mate. Um, and that is Kamala Harris. Uh, are you familiar with her at all? Neither. Would let's first before we go any further. Sure. Yeah. Would how do we? How do you feel about Joe Biden? One, and is he somebody that's in line with the type of character we were looking at? last year or not last year last episode with uh john lewis yeah i would say he's much more in line with john lewis than 45 is uh, biden he has served the country for 50 years 45 50 years in one one capacity or the other he my thought on Biden is to be real, to be really open and honest. During the primaries, before it was pretty much him, mm -hmm. his vice presidential, Harris, was my pick for the presidential candidate, even though it would be a real long shot for her as presidential candidate to win the presidency. With Biden as what I believe will be the nominee for the Democrats, um, Biden, before he uh, named his running mate, offers the country and the country, because that's all it gets to vote on him, uh, a, a very, very direct change from what we have now. I mean, from chaos and narcissism and no values and um, I'm in it for my own good, my own benefit and screw the rest of you to somebody that has some humility, admits mistakes, um, is a leader, has leadership qualities uh, has um, has ethics, 
puts a few things before him, or at least even with him. Uh, and, and he knows his way around the international political realm also. Um, so, I mean, I'm happy with his, me as a person, I'm happy with his, his choice, Harris. Um, Harris has an incredible history in, in the time she served the government. She's an Indian, a black senator of California. Prior to that, she was the first ever female and black attorney general of the state of California, which um, a trivia fact is that's the largest Department of Justice she ran outside of the federal Department of Justice. So, uh, you know, that's such a huge Department of Justice. The only thing that tops it is the federal Department of Justice. No other state comes close to what she was in charge of. Um, so, uh, and she's very astute. If you watched, which I know you probably didn't, but any of the hearings that she's participated in as a senator, there's only, there, there's only a couple female senators, a few female senators. And she's, there's only, I think, been one other black woman female senator in, in the country's history. So there's, there's a lot of history being made right now be, because of his choice. And I think together they offer a really strong team. And if Biden wins the election, if, um, because of his age, um, the, when the second term rolls around, depending on his physical situation, if he were to step down, it would be easy for him to step down and hand the key to Harris, and depending on what happened during that four years, she could very easily then become the first female um, to be president of this country. What for whatever I mean? I mean, I think that's cool. Um, is it important? I, I suppose from the standpoint that, yeah, even you, young lady, can be president of the United States, even though some people now don't aspire to that because of what's happened in the last four years. Opine, opine, you know. Uh, it's it's interesting that, see, there's, there's a lot of things that are running through my head. Is We have an upcoming election with a new individual, and as any person would look in, say, a dating world, you pattern recognize from previous experience experiences not to run into or date somebody that was a huge pain in the ass in your past. <laughs> now we have so much trauma in our heads that we have to really just dig into this individual who might seem like they have a hundred percent positive intentions and I think that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the outcome of that. And it does make sense as far as with he's choosing 
I don't remember her name, to be his running mate. That is, that looks good. I, I, but it just, it seems too, it just seems like it's too good in a way. As far as with what we have to that, it's like, that's like the, uh, the ideal image of what America would want. I agree with you. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people that are ready for that. When you look at the way the world looks now versus the way it did three and a half years ago, um, it looks a lot different in, in many respects. One of the things here in our country that we've seen, uh, w- without trying to put a judgment on it, in trying to stay as objective as I can, we've seen a lot of chaos, more chaos than ever. Yes. And if you ask the Democrats, they'll tell you it's because of the Republicans and Trump. And if you ask Trump and his followers, he and they will tell you it's all because of the Democrats. Um, and, and that's part of the chaos is this crazy divided nation that we're in. And I don't really believe we've been this divided since the Civil War, you know, yeah, that um, make a division is deep and, it, and it's, it's hate kind of division. It's not um, where two people can sit down and, and talk about their different opinions and why they support this person versus that person. It used to be you could have those kind of discussions. Nowadays, people lose friends and stop talking and seeing relatives because of you know, where they are on this, this, this fulcrum, um, this, this crazy, you know, seesaw thing. Uh, so it, it just seems like it would be really nice to have some integrity and honesty and leadership, as honest as politicians can be, you know, recognizing that there's a whole bunch of lying going on in politics. I get that. But not everything that comes out of your mouth is is a lie. Um, not everything that goes wrong is because of the other team. Not everything that goes right is because of me, my administration. I did this. You know, this is the greatest economy in the world. You know, no one would have foreseen it. And just make up stuff. 45 said, I think it was last week, it might have been the week before, so if, it, if I've repeated this, it's just because it's so awesome. Not in a good way. But he was on the, the, the tarmac of the Cleveland or Cincinnati airport and was talking about Biden and how he's going to hurt this country. If Biden's elected, he will hurt the country. He will hurt the Bible and he will hurt God. I mean, he said those three things. The president of the United States said that a potential candidate, because technically Biden's not even the candidate, but a potential candidate for United States for the United States presidency will hurt God. Now, whether you believe in God or not, historically, God's omnipotent. I mean You'll talk to some people who'll tell you there's nobody more powerful than God, yet Biden can hurt God. Wow. I got to tell you, if he's that powerful, maybe we need him to calm everything down. 
you know, and then we'll deal with God later. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. Crazy. Are we looking at a, a shift in the type of presidential character? Like, I believe with Obama, he is a peacekeeper. And then when we've had that, now we need somebody who's more towards war. Then now are we rotating back down to peace? And then we look at the division between the Democrats and the Republicans and how much there's so much hate pointing at one another, but nobody's willing to take ownership in their own faults. To me, it just, I'm, I'm just, just looking at this from a third person, as far as they're projecting their own past failures onto them as they are the reason, but it's just like history repeats itself. Well, fuck. Yeah. Like, cause we, we had this old school mindset. I mean, this is the industrials mindset that we still have yet to adopt. And now we have AI happening. We have so much going on, just a mass amount of knowledge yet. Why are we still doing these primitive little, just, these, it just, it makes me angry. It's just like, what are we doing? It, it's a waste of time. And not only is it a waste of time, especially when you take into consideration AI, mm -hmm. because artificial intelligence is, is really making so many decisions for politicians, uh, the way they run their campaign is based so much, if you run a good campaign, you're going to have a lot of data that you mined by way of algorithms. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's AI making all these huge decisions that people kind of go around like this, like it's not. Mm -hmm. But AI is getting more and more um, uh, into a situation where uh, it, the amount of control it has is, is phenomenal. And, and I'm not there's no judgment there uh, to a large extent um, based on the algorithms, of course, but AI doesn't lie. You know, AI doesn't have, you know, have to deal with scandals. Uh, you know, and so there's a whole bunch of advantages to AI. Uh, but I think used in con right now where we are technologically, AI combined with the human mind and human emotions can be pretty powerful. Used powerfully, used power. It, it's powerful both um, it, for the good of people, or anything that's powerful can be used, you know, in a negative connotation for control and anarchy and so on and so forth, or for the good of people, the good common cause. Which I think we need, I think the world's continuing to miss a lot of um, that. It's a little esoteric, but I'm a leftover hippie. And I firmly believe that what Dion Warwick sang about 40, 50 years ago, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Um, yeah, I, I mean. But with the AI, I mean, as far as that being good or bad, I want to know is who's actually programming it, what type of character that individual is. Yeah, you know, what did they build into these algorithms from which AI will continue to get smarter and smarter and smarter? That's interesting. It, I mean, even with uh, 
the scientific method on just proposing a hypothesis, it's still not even free of that biasy, not even free of just leaning on with the individual's testing towards their favor rather than against their favor. There's always something that's going to impact the end result. And I still feel like it's going to be the same thing every time, unless there is a drastic change in something huge. Well, and see, that's where this old guy sees a huge benefit to AI in that regardless of the bias that was part of any and all of the algorithms that were built for the AI, mm-hmm. as AI continues to advance and it's consuming all the data that that's available because AI at some point will be able to consume every bit of data. Um, it won't need new algorithms because the algorithms that it was given as part of this AI works like our mind, except on a scale that we can't begin to understand how, how it can gather all this information and make unemotional decisions, make decisions based on the math, the zeros and ones, you know. Um, so, so I think from that standpoint, you know, it won't take stuff into consideration that human emotion takes into consideration. Well, if I make the decision to do this, how will I look in the eyes of those people? I mean, I don't think AI can, maybe, I don't think it considers that. It says, well, based on this information, it's B, mm-hmm. you know, next. Um, so it's interesting. It, it's, we live in a world that's, that's extremely interesting. And, I, and I, I think to a large extent, we're at a very interesting point uh, for, for certainly for the country and for the world, what, what's going to happen in this election um, for the country and the world is, is pretty damn important, regardless of the outcome. Uh, and, and it's frightening uh, how much toying is going on relative to the election and the procedures in the election and um, the setups coming into the election. As far as methodology, you know, mail-in ballots, no mail-in ballots, you know, one side says, hey, um, the election's rigged. It, it's terrible. It, it's going to be rigged, you know. The Democrats are doing all, are going to have all this fraud and mail-in ballots. Do you think that's going to impact the people actually wanting to vote versus not? Um not necessarily. The impact comes from when the results are presented to the to the world. Depending on who wins, forty um, five's apt to say if he's not victorious. Well, I told you it was rigged, and so we're gonna <laughs> redo the election. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna. I have the power to. I, as I, the most powerful guy here. Regardless of what the Constitution says, regardless of this co these three co branches, um, I think we need to have another election because this is all fucked up. 
we can't even try to recount. We don't know what's fraud and what's not. And I'm not leaving office. So what are you going to do about it? You know, the Supreme Court comes and says, well, you have to leave office, sir. And he's got a couple high-level military people that choose to side with him. And, you know, they secure the White House and say, yeah, he's our president. There's hadn't been a new election. And he said that this election wasn't valid. He's our leader. So I'm going to follow, you know, there, there comes into that play that um, something we talked about from the beginning. Uh, and that's, you know, ethical and, and value standards that military, I got to report to the commander, got to follow his wishes. But at what point do you say, dude, mutiny on this ship. You don't have a clue as to how to get, get us out of this hurricane. You know, the ship's going down. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taking over. Uh, theoretically. Theoretically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. Anyway. See, that would, I, I can see that play out because I have a weird outlook on life. I always, I want to say catastrophize, but just analyze possibilities of what-if scenarios. And just the paint, the picture you painted for me, that is a possibility because from how my understanding on how he made office. It's like he had friends over in Russia or he like, I feel like there was something with the relationship with that country that helped impact his success as far as like he was saying, Oh, I'm for them. I'm against them. I'm not talking to them. I don't know if you're familiar with that. If you can shed some light on that. You talking about all the Russia Russian interference in his relationship with Putin and yes, that whole yeah. Um, well, first of all, to, to to just do a little positioning, you know, recognize that before he was president, before he was elected president, I think well before he ever publicly decided he was going to seek that office, he and Putin spent a lot of time together because. The two of them together wanted to put a Trump Tower in Moscow. Interesting. Now, and, and I mean, that's pretty well established as a fact mm-hmm. that they had had conversations about a Trump Tower, a luxurious Trump Tower in Moscow. That's one of the reasons I believe, and this is opine, uh, okay, I believe that. Um, the, the, the United States Congress is so curious to get a full financial trail of Trump and all his organizations to see if there's any financial ties to Russia and or the powerful Russian people, leaders. Um, to what degree does this influence decisions that 45 <clears throat> has made and will continue to make? Because... You know, all of the, excuse me, the 17 uh, intelligence agencies here in the United States way back when all agreed there was no question in their mind that there was interference from, from Russia. To what degree you can say this vote was because of their interference, nobody can prove that. But when all 17 of our intelligence agencies agree on one fact, to say that they're all corrupt 
there might be a handful of corrupt ones. I mean, there's corruption all over at the highest levels of our government, at the highest levels of our government. We've seen corruption like we've never seen before from a guy that was going to clean the swamp out. Yeah. What is your definition of corruption? Well, um, it could come back to manipulation almost. <laughs> uh, really, <laughs> when you stop and think about what's, what's corrupt. Well, corrupt is when you're a leader of a country and you're supposed to be making decisions, one, within the constraints of the law, the Constitution, uh, and you go outside the Constitution uh, because... Uh, your daughter is trying to get patents with China. Uh, you know, that's corrupt. I think when you have other heads of state from other foreign countries stay at your hotel in Washington, D.C. when they visit, I think that's pretty fucking corrupt. I think when you go and play golf at one of your country clubs, and it costs, I don't know how many tens of millions of dollars to take your entourage because you got to have your security detail. You got to have your fucking, you know, motor escort. You can't rent from, uh, you know, Enterprise and get, you know, a Cadillac. You need that great big heavy bulletproof piece of shit, you know, and all the, the and you need 83 security service guys, serv secret service guys, mm -hmm. you know. And when he became president, I think it's corrupt that the, the dues to your country, to the country club that he hangs out, that he owns, the dues like doubled the day after he was president. Cause you want to hang with me? You know, you got to pay dude, you know, and his, his big deal, the way he's handled COVID there's, is there any fact to this? I don't know. Probably not, but I, I can draw lines and inferences he doesn't like the economy shut down, not because of what's happening to the working guy, the common guy, because nobody's traveling. His fucking Trump Towers, his Mar-a-Lago, his all his shit, nobody's going to because nobody travels. The only people that are traveling are politicians and people that absolutely fucking have to get on a commercial airline. You know? Some of that is, is real corruption. Uh, you know, it's when you're doing something for to to advance your personal goals at the expense of others, and or it's absolutely unlawful. I mean, you can find a law that says, "No, you can't do this and be in this position." Whether it's a business guy taking payola under the table or it's the president of the United States taking income from his properties because his position in office gives him the ability to have foreign dignitaries. Yeah. You just stay around the corner here at my hotel. We'll take care of you there. You know, I, I mean, that's pretty fucking corrupt, I think, but I'm just before he was running for president at, like even announced, I think I seen this. It's like on the Simpsons, as far as they just show like him running. I don't know what year this was, but just projected him going up as president. And that was like, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's been a while since I've seen the Simpsons. 
And it's like, where do they get that information from? Like, is that just a coincidence? Because at the time he was just a bizarre character. So they like, who is the most outrageous individual we can play as running for president on this episode? (laughs) And they choose him. Well, you know, way, way back when, and in 15 years, 10, 15 years, certainly more than 10 years, you know, he had interviews with many talk show hosts and radio show hosts. And, you know, they would, and I don't know why they would ask a a business guy and a a pretty non-successful business guy. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, when you figure he's taken six of his companies, all of which that are basically one man corporations bankrupt, I, I, you know, I don't know how successful that is. Um, but, and he, and he'll tell you, he has nothing to do with success. He was playing the system. The laws are set up for me to fuck people, you know, and it's not the big wealthy banks that he fucks when he goes bankrupt, but it's a little contractor that, you know, painted the inside of the Taj Mahal in, in Atlantic city that, Yes. presented him with the invoice and he said, no, I'm not going to pay you. I don't have any money. And then that puts a lane on his, uh, his, um, what would this be? His LLC or, or just him in general. And over time, if it doesn't get paid off, I mean, they don't really get their money. They never do. Cause, Cause again, the LLCs or corporations or trusts, whoever ultimately is, is the entity that has it. Mm-hmm. There's no assets. There's no money. You know, in another judgment, he doesn't give a shit. He's probably the most, this guy has probably litigated more stuff than than anybody ever. I mean, he still has hundreds, if not thousands, of currently filed lawsuits against him for the fraud he committed relative to his university. Those are still pending, and he can play with those people forever because he keeps paying his attorneys. You know, just keep it in court a little bit longer. You know, it, they'll go away because they don't have the financial resources that he has. And that's the other thing. Well, Flaherty says he's not a successful businessman. And I know intuitively that he doesn't have near the wealth he tries telling you he has. If he did, he'd show you his fucking tax return. There's no reason for him to not to show his tax return unless he's fucking hiding something. He tells you he's one of the richest guys in the world. Okay, show me. All the rich guys show me or I can go find their shit. I mean, you know, the only thing that makes you kind of rich is you had this big foundation that you stole money out of and the state of New York made you shut down your charitable foundation because your family was living out of it. You know, I mean, God, it's like, where does it stop? Now, is all this true? Well. Supporters will tell you, no, it's just shit made up from the other side. You know, well, is it? I don't know. Show us your fucking tax return and prove it. You know, innocent people will prove their innocence after some period of time. Yes. And it's a real easy way for him. The easiest thing in the world for him right now, if all this bullshit that the Democrats and the liberals are making up about him and how he corrupts the country and all these business interests that could be convoluted, show us your fucking taxes. There's not a president in our history, in contemporary history, that has not shown us our taxes. You promised, Mr. President, 
<clears throat> God, that sounds terrible <laughs> to him. 45, you promised you were going to show your taxes after you were elected. Oh, but you're being audited. IRS doesn't care who you show your taxes to, whether you're being audited or not. You can show your taxes anytime you want. Show them. Prove it. Let these fucking accountants go through probably, his return probably is this thick. You know, he's got like, I don't know, 63 different entities and all this shit. But Mm -hmm. let these accountants plow through all that shit and then tell the American public, no, this guy's clean as a whistle. His fear, and, and I agree with this, if you put some investigators on mulling over paperwork, they're going to find shit wrong. You know, we all have done stuff wrong. So he's, oh, I'm afraid they're going to, you know, find something wrong. Of course they're going to find, and with him, they're going to find a lot of shit wrong because he did it on purpose. You know, it wasn't an additional, a mathematical error, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think having a complete financial picture of the guy could show the country, show the world financially um, kind of why he does some of what he does decision-making as the leader of the free world. And it'll be interesting that if to caveat what you were saying, we could also see where the corruption is actually taking place as far as if he's done certain things that certain departments should have covered. That is where we can start backtracking and start eliminating the corruption from the ass end out the mouth. Exactly. And, and in that picture that I just described. And in that picture that you just described, the, the scary thing is where does the corruption end? And, and how do you end corruption? Because a lot of the people that would otherwise have responsibility for ending corruption and going after the corrupt, they are indeed part of the corruption. And so it's that it's a circle and it's a tough circle. If, if anybody heard the interview between Levin on, on Fox life, Liberty and Levin, uh, when he interviewed attorney general, William Barr earlier this week, most frightening interview I've ever heard. I mean, William Barr truly, I believe truly believes that he is 45's personal attorney. And his job is not to head up the Department of Justice of the United States of America. His job is to make sure that 45 is reelected and that he can offer him as much protection as possible. And if you listen to this interview, if you never heard any news ever about Trump and Barr and the Mueller report and Russia and what's going on with Senate hearings and congressional hearings. And just listen to this one interview and it was Fox interviewing him. I mean, this guy is scary. He and Trump together, if they have one corrupt high level military guy can take over. This is conspiratorial. I know that, Mm. but it's, it's that frightening when, when you see those levels of, of governmental officials um, all lying for each other. 
I mean, at some point in time, Nixon's closest advisors said, dude, <laughs> you know, we got you. They got you. Your cookie hands in the jar. Your hands in the cookie jar. You, you got to come clean. And Nixon looked at everything and said, yeah, you're fucking right. My best chance is to resign and hopefully, you know, Ford, my vice president, who will now be president, will pardon me, which he did. And he deserved it. I mean, the man was, he, he, he was punished enough, I really believe. Um, but but, that, yeah. that term you use, conspiracy, conspiratorial. Conspiratorial, yeah. Do you feel like that term has a bad taste in people's mouths when we're really trying to analyze different avenues of how this could play out? When we start, I just feel like when that term gets thrown out there, people just dismiss it automatically because it's associated with things that happen in the past or is projected into the future that is least likely to happen. I don't understand why nobody wants to even consider that as a possibility. Yeah. And that's, I will tell you, um, not terribly long ago, I mean, in the last five or six years ago, I looked at conspiracy, conspiracy ideas and theories and those guys are off their fucking rocker. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, fuck we all have conspiracy theories because all of our theories, if they don't go with the mainstream, are conspiratorial, aren't they? Yes. In a way, I mean, if, if you walk down this way, but everybody else is going this way, and I tell you, you know, why you shouldn't be going that way because based on my thoughts, it's kind of a conspiracy. Well, when you look at our country today, it's so divided that almost everyone is conspiratorial to one extent or the other. You got the, the people on the right side of the aisle, I mean, just making up bullshit. And the people on the left side of the aisle are making up bullshit. Every now and then, each side grabs a fact and distorts it hardly any. But most of the time, all the facts are distorted quite a bit because they want to be manipulative or motivate us to get out and vote. We <laughs> come back to the beginning of our conversation. And it's really key. Um, th that's why I asked that question when you mentioned uh, those two words, manipulation and motivation, manipulate, motivate. I, we see so much of both of those going on, regardless of, you know, how you perceive it. Um, and it comes back to, I believe, in my conspiratorial theory, another yet another one, media. Because most of the information we consume is presented to us by media, by social media, by the major news outlets, by all the talk shows, all of this media. And we have so much of the media to consume it's not like when I was growing up. I mean, we had three television channels, you know, and a rotary dial telephone. Channels were they? You know, <laughs> no, in, in, in a radio for a long time, just with AM stations, then FM stations. But, you know, now it's so easy 
to come up with a conspiratorial idea and then build a whole story around it, show a video, you know, that you photoshopped, pictures or photoshopped, and who the fuck knows what's real today? Yes. You know? I mean, it's frightening. I got a friend that continually sends me messages and half of them, and I don't tell them, you know, this is, this is all made up. I mean, you can even see the photo, the bad Photoshop job. You know? And here's the fact, you know, and I, I, and who am I to say that's the fact? Just based on where I found that, is that factual information? I don't know. Where do you find the facts? That's frightening. So with where are the real facts? Pictures that are being displayed to you and they are somehow made up and not authentic. One, I don't understand why people are going to that trouble to try to relay the information to get the point across. I mean, it should either make sense or not make sense. And then when if we were to zoom back out and look at with the crowd of people you're referring to going one way and another guy going this way, I think those people that are going their own way have a higher level of thinking rather than following suit into the direction that they were told to go to based off of what is being portrayed by the media. Cause I am aware of the term poltering as far as with framing a certain message to get across, to make things look catastrophic or to make things look consistent in society. As far as there's so much, there's so much, there's so much trauma happening on a daily basis. Come on, tune into channel 11, Fox two. They would just want to get viewers. And that's disgusting because if we really zoom out even higher and look at the person who's in charge of the actual, what is it? NBC, like the place that's in charge of all the fucking radio, the, the social media in general, it's comes down to one person when there's two different uh, sides of, uh, the government, there's Republic news and uh, Democratic news. It's being ran by one person. What side is he on? That's what just blows my mind. It's 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 frightening. And when you look at the power of social media, <clears throat> the power social media has, and the ease with which it is, with which one or an entity can post anything on social media recently that, you know, some of the social media platforms have been taking down purely unfactual uh, posts that, that could have an adverse effect on, on people that would believe that shit. But but to answer your question, why do they even do that? Why do people post these pictures that are incorrect? I think part of it gets back to to something we said earlier today. In in this division, everything's black or white. All of a sudden, there's no more gray. Everything's binary. I mean, you're with me, you're you're not with me. If you're not with me, you're against me. You know, this is good or this is bad. There's not, well, it kind of is good for them, but it might hurt you. You know, it might hurt this group. This big group, it'll, it's good for. It's no. It's, I have to show you how wrong you are to think the way you are. Look at this picture that I photoshopped. Look at this picture. You know, it says right here, or look at here. 
I can pull, you know, these statistics, as you well know, numbers, statistics, reports, um, for everyone that says blue, you can find one that says red. Yes. You can find a doctor <clears throat> that says, yeah, there's uh, hydroxychloroquine, the, the drug that um, Trump is, is pushing, I can't even pronounce it for a while as a cure in a therapy for COVID. Um, you got a whole bunch of doctors that say, no, it's, it's not, you know, there's only five um, placebo research papers that are written and said there's no effect. And then there's 2,500 doctors that say, yeah, KO works, you know, but no, we haven't done it with a randomized placebo test, but you know, based on what we've seen with these two patients at work. So, we're just in this world of how do you even find a fact, you know? And I think each of us has our sources for what we believe to be factual and near as, as unbiased as one can be today. I mean, there's bias everywhere, whether it's NBC or Fox, whether it's OAN or CNN. You know, whether it's MSNBC <clears throat> or, you know, Foxy or Newsy, um, there's bias in everything that we all do. In everything we do every, every day of the, that we're alive, there's, we make decisions and do things based on our biases. And the real trick is to, regardless of your, for example, political or religious bias. The real trick is to whatever your job is, to go out and do your job with trying to keep your bias under control. So, yeah, you know, um, I'm an atheist, so I don't like people that are religious. But as a cop, I can't go shoot people as they come out of church, you know, just because I don't like those people. I have to you know, the judges making these decisions in court, they have bias. Of course they have bias. Um, but they have to make their decisions w without bias. The 12 jurors on a jury, each one of them has bias. But their instruction is, you go in there, you disregard everything you think, feel, or believe. Don't pay attention to anything you hear or read about this case just the facts that are presented here in court and you make your decision is this person guilty or innocent but that's fucking impossible <laughs> you know i mean mm -hmm. let's so it goes back to trust in trust value honor ethics like a boy scout oath you know all those things help the old lady across the street and that's what i think is really missing in society in general today, but certainly at very high governmental levels throughout the government, both on the, the, the blue side and the red side, the Democrats and Republicans. You listen to both of them and you're pissed off at both of them. You know, I, I mean, you are. They're, I mean, they're both acting, both sides are acting like a bunch of little fucking babies. Yeah. I mean, they just are. Like in grade school, kids don't act as poorly as, as badly, as irresponsibly as our politicians do. And I'd like to believe that Biden and Harris um, 
might, from a leadership standpoint, whether they win or lose, kind of grab hold of the, the politicians on both sides and say, this is how you run a campaign. This is how you lead a country, especially a, a country and world that's in crisis. I mean, we got a public health crisis of some sort going on, regardless of who you want to believe, there's some shit going on. We have an economic crisis going on, regardless of why it's going on, it's going on. And we have people in the United States of America that should not be starving, that should not be living on the streets. We've got enough enough wealth in this country, between a handful of people, literally, but as a country, we have enough enough wealth to fix it so that, you know, that doesn't happen. That the, the, the poverty we have here, not over, just not only in urban plight, but, you know, in the Appalachian area, there, there's poverty like you and I probably can't even imagine in our wildest dreams. That today in the United States, people are living like that. Well, that Michigan. Today, yeah, Michigan. I, that's exactly where I was going with Flint. Seven years, I think, it's been about seven years since it was discovered in the media about the water supply up there. People are still dependent on bottled water today that live in Flint. Nobody's done anything about that river that, you know, has got all that contamination in it. I think it was Louisiana as well. They have like water. They depend on bottled water. And most of these people probably don't have jobs because they're, you know, factory worker kind of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. And I think with Louisiana, there's something in their water as well that, if I'm not mistaken, it can't get up their nose. I believe there's like a parasite or something that can attack the rain or something. But if we rewind, let's look at the the social media as far as if it doesn't portray to the political agenda shit gets pulled down is that some sort of uh, control i would say as far as being it like if you don't post what's relevant on what we're talking about well we're going to take your outside information and pull it down because we don't want to confuse people on what is actually being presented it certainly has has the the opportunity to to happen that way a good example, though, where, where I think you see this <clears throat> censorship taking place, because it is a, a form of censorship. Yes. But I, I think media in general has a duty to call your attention to um, misleading statements. A good example was semi-recently, um, you know, where, where 45 has said repeatedly, but this was after his first White House briefing recently, mm-hmm. I want to say in the last 10 days, where he said that children are virtually immune from COVID. Well, factually, that's just incorrect. Science, based on the science, it's incorrect. And so Facebook or Twitter, it was Twitter, took that tweet down. And, you know, they give you the reason, you know, and they point you somewhere um, where you can find a fact. And again, well, who's got the facts? Like I asked earlier, who do you look to the facts? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But what I will tell you is for however long the CDC, for example, has been around, it was the authority here in the United States relative to 
contagious and infectious diseases for, I don't know, 40 years, 50 years, 80 years, however long it's been around, I don't know. It's been around for a while, and there's some prestigious doctors that, you know, have led that organization to keep widespread epidemics and pandemics from help, from occurring and helping the world deal with epidemics that might happen in their country. So when that group of scientists, doctors who specialize in that shit, say, no, that's not right. I mean, I'm going to accept them over fucking an orange fucking leader that told us to go drink Lysol and sit under ultraviolet lights as a way to not get COVID. I mean, given that choice, that AB, I'll take B. I'll go with the science. You know? I'm curious, though, as far as, I mean, who owns Twitter? That's one que- That's my first question. And why was it taken down when 45 says this? Yes, it seems pretty bizarre, but the fact of somebody in such high power says this bizarre thing and it's automatically taken down. Now, my question is, is there a connection between somebody who owns that platform to 45? Yeah, well, I mean, that's if you listen to the politicians on both sides, yes. Um, I believe Twitter is part of a publicly traded company. So there's many, many stockholders that ultimately the, the board of directors gets to pick and choose the CEO. It, and one might say, well, just like Bezos is against Trump. So anything that comes from Amazon or the Washington Post or any of the shit he owns is tainted as far as Trump supporters go. That's just not so. Bezos has, at the end of the day, if you collapse his empire, he's not going to lose his $65 billion. And if he loses $64.9 billion, He's still a billionaire. Yes. I mean, financially, he has nothing really to gain. He's attained that level in, in Maslow's hierarchy that he's <laughs> into self-actualization. That's all. And like he and Bill Gates, I mean, they're trying to improve the world now with this wealth they've built, with these platforms they've built. Now they can use this AI to deliver, you know, clean water to, to you know, third third world countries and they do they're 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 trying to do good yes. they're do-gooders kind of now they're not out trying to build amazon bigger i mean for the the sake of building amazon bigger you can think i think it's actually number three in the fortune 500 three or four i can't remember the number and then with bill gates i i do remember reading about that with him helping out third world countries as far as getting that first self-sufficient uh like huge ass system whatever it just cycles the rainwater and just literally it cycles shit and piss yeah fresh water (laughs) let's just be black yeah that's exactly what it does so that's that's really good stuff and i just don't understand why we can't have that in the political area It, it i think part of its leadership you know um during Bush, well, during Reagan, during Bush, during Clinton, Carter, uh, 
the, the, there, there was not this kind of, there was hanky-panky. Politics is hanky-panky at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't everything being done for one guy. And I really believe, and I know I harp on this, but it, it, all 45 is concerned about is, is himself, his entities, and how the world perceives him and, and the world laughs at him. You know, I, I truly see him as an embarrassment. I mean, God bless Joe Biden, but Biden makes plenty of faux pas in his speech. Um, you know, who's smarter? I don't know. I'd guess Biden. I'd guess a lot of five years old, five year olds are more responsible and smarter than 45. They don't say shit as stupid as he does. You know, he comes out and just says bizarre shit. Whatever I think is rolling off the end of his tongue, he just says, even though he's got a script, even though advisors tell him, no, don't talk about, you know, the Lysol anymore. It's really not, it's not going to fix anything. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going to say what I want, you know? Mm -hmm. And he goes out and incites people, you know, to, to have these attitudes that, well, COVID's not real. I don't know if it's real or not, but there's a lot of fucking sick people that have something that the world, you know, is trying to deal with, you know. I would love to go into that. But also, let's let's look at that. Like, if we were to put those two individuals, Biden and 45, against fifth graders, I believe there's a show called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> Do you think the political figures would actually win? And also the other one is I, I understand with, a, with an individual, it's not about what they say. It's about how they act under pressure is their real character. So when you tell me that 45 wants to say this and just disregard the paperwork that's been given, that shows who he really is because everything that's coming out is just shit that people made for him to say, but he really does not have the ability to control himself. So I can see with what you said earlier as far as about being a narcissist. And I don't like that term that because it always gets thrown around in, and then in, just in the society in general, loosely. I mean, if we were to look at it in the, DS, the DSM-5, it gets very specific. And I'm not looking at it right now, but judging how just looking at or remembering the definition, it shows a relation, but I'm, since I'm not looking at this very moment, I don't want to say that, but I just think it's really interesting on how things are playing out. Yeah, it is. And I mean, none of us really, uh, e- even psychologists, people that um, scientifically know this stuff, know what's in that manual, you know, all the symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're not treating him, they're not consulting with him. No one really has a a a right, um, and not so much a right, but no one has the facts to make that judgment on him or anybody. But again, intuitively, when you see someone act like this time and time again, um, you know, if it looks like a duck and smells like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. You know, yeah. even though it doesn't walk around with a label, you know, it's a quack, quack, I'm a duck. 
You know, um, but in whether he is a narcissist, he certainly has some narcissistic tendencies yes. and behaves as if he is a narcissist. Um, behaves as if he is a racist. Mm-hmm. Behaves as if he wants to divide this country further. For three and a half years, he's never really spoken to America. Every time he speaks, every time he holds one of his political rallies, he speaks to the 30% of the people that will always support him. And he'll worry about getting enough people over to elect, elect him. I mean, can you imagine a president, a living president, having his people contact a governor of a state, South Dakota to be specific, and said, you know, what will it take to get my head carved into Mount Rushmore? Now, uh, and this is a fact, nobody's disputed it. I mean, the White House has kind of walked back, well, they didn't quite say that. And she did give him a little model, a four foot model with his head on the, with, you know, Lincoln and all the rest of the guys. but here's just shows you the stupidity, uh, and this is just pure stupidity, factual stupidity I can point to, that Mount Rushmore is a national monument. It's a federal monument. The state, it's not in their jurisdiction to make that call. It's the federal government. I don't know if it's Bureau of Land Management or who takes care of that particular national foundation. And again, if you're president, you're going to have one of your people, hey, call up. We called the governor. She likes me. She gave me this model. Maybe we can get my head on it, and maybe we can do it. You know, they could do it with buzz saws and get it done before the election. That would be cool. A picture of me in front of the mountain with my head carved on there. And maybe the backside of me, and you can see my ass, too. <laughs> you know, I don't want to see my dick because it's real little if you look at the size of my hands compared to these big jackets and this long tie I wear. And I know that's just his caricature. But uh, that's... That's pretty, pretty compelling evidence that you got a narcissist there, you know, I hate while I'm alive. And for him to say, well, it's no different really than President Obama accepting the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, except that he didn't, Obama didn't give himself the prize. Like Trump wants himself carved into that monument. There were a whole bunch, whatever the process is of how the foundation gives out those, the Nobel Peace Prize. That's how it happened. Whether it was corrupt or not, I don't know. But it's something Obama didn't have any choice in. He could have not accepted it, yes. He just said, no, I don't want that. Just doing my job. Yeah. Uh, And this is really in his first year as president. So, I mean, this was based on shit he did before being a president, I guess. I don't, I don't understand all that. But what I do know, at least, you know, from the late mid-1950s through present day, there's never been a, a sitting president or a living president that's asked to be on a piece of our money or carved into a monument or, <laughs> I mean, that's just bizarre shit. You know, who would do that? Well, I can who, see who even have I the balls see. to, you know, say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they need to carve my head on the, the front of, uh, you know, on, on Mount Rushmore. In fact, they could move out 
Roosevelt, you know, just recarve his face into my face, then I'll start from scratch. He didn't I say. I can see that. why he would ask. As far as, I mean, squeaky real squeaky wheel gets the grease, and <laughs> I mean, I guess like you, you you don't know unless you ask. All right, that's like logically in my head, you know, trying to get something that you don't think you'll be able to get, but I'm just going to do it anyways. That that would make sense. But what doesn't make sense is the fact that he's saying of what you're telling me is he's saying, well, I actually did look at the shit in online as far as sources go. And he did say this, but with the Lysol and the ultraviolet light, he doesn't take it seriously. So my question is, is this actually a real thing that's happening? And I'm saying what or what's a real thing is COVID this sickness, this thing that's going around killing 156. 168,000. Thank you. Yes. Is that real? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking there's some reality to it. Uh, I really believe that, but here, here's here's where you the, the dichotomies of leadership. When you joke about something that allegedly has killed a whole bunch of people, yes. When you joke about that, then you get at least thirty percent of this country that again he can shoot, as he said, he could stand on Fifth Avenue in New York City and shoot somebody, and nobody will do anything about it. So those 30% of the people that are behind them like that, when they hear them say, yeah, well, first of all, there's a threat because Lysol is a corporation. Their headquarters was just overloaded by phone calls coming in that day. You know, okay, so Lysol cure me? That's because these fucking idiots believe shit that comes out of his mouth. He's leader of the free world, for Christ's sakes. Why would he say that if it's not true? Why would he joke about it as some number of people are actually dying from some some bug that call it covid call it the common flu call it a cold mm-hmm. you know i mean this is where the leader of the united states if he he wasn't joking about it i saw the i i saw him live do that press briefing he he got pissed at at, at the scientists what well, he got pissed at burks cuz dr burks wouldn't address it and he went to the, the guy that he had in his pocket, and the guy just, like, said, oh, my God. I mean, he shrugged, you know, like, you know, what do you do with this guy? Uh, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't sarcastic about it. I think I, after 69 years, I can judge a lot of people when they're being sarcastic, and I've seen enough of his shit and heard enough of his bullshit and Conway's bullshit to try to cover up his misspeakings. He doesn't misspeak. You know, I mean, he, he's not an intelligent guy, but he's, he's, he's a savvy, streetwise guy. Mm-hmm. Every time he says something, he knows the reaction it will get. And one thing he knows is that when he does this bizarre shit, he's always on television. Yes. He gets all this fucking press. I mean, like right now, people don't even know probably what Biden looks like. I mean, he hadn't been out and about since COVID. I, that's an exaggeration, <laughs> I know, but... You know, he doesn't get all this free television. I mean, that's one of the reasons I believe 45 started doing these COVID briefings again. And he, no doctor, none of the CDC people are in there. It's just him 
doing a little rally, a mini rally from the White House brief press room for, you know, <laughs> some crazy shit happening. I have a one o'clock meeting with my, the copywriter. I'm redoing my website. Oh, okay. So, um, Holy shit. Is there already one? It's 1258. I just know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, we can, add, we'll end it right here. This is great. I, we, a, a, a great episode. I think we, we talked about some interesting stuff. Food yeah. Food. yeah. What fills you up or not? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it could be junk food, but it's food. I'll, I'll get in touch with you, Larry, because I wanted to see if you wanted to help, help out with uh, social media. Because sure. I was going to start adding you on everything. Sure. And, uh, uh, yeah. Let's awesome. talk about it. Okay. Sounds See good. What we can do. All, All right. right. Hey, it was good seeing you. And yes. have a good rest of the week. Got a few days left. Go yes. out there. Beat your drum. I will. You do All the right. same. Thank you. Oh. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. You've been listening to your transformation station. Rediscovering your true identity and purpose on this planet. We hope you enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information. Join us weekly on Monday for the YTS Challenge and bi-weekly on Wednesday for the exclusive interviews at 8 p.m. Central Time. In the meantime, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at YTS The Podcast. We'll be back soon. Until then, this is your transformation station signing off.